Welcome to the 12th episode of the Dog Pound Daily Podcast. In today's special episode, Andrew and myself and a special guest are all in the same studio. Andrew, how excited are you for this? Pretty excited. Definitely a little bit easier than doing it over FaceTime. Yes. And our special guest, who will not speak yet, who will speak later, is my roommate Brandon. When spoken to... Exactly. So Brandon is here in a, you know, sort of producer role, kind of watching, just in case anything goes wrong. But we want to start off... Or consult- consultative role, I would, I would think. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce that consultative? word. Consultative? Is it... Con- con- we'll, we'll agree to disagree. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. We're going to move on. <laughs> Anda, how are you? Good to have you on. It's great to be here, guys. Been a longtime fan of the show. I think I might have been one of the first subscribers since... Uh... It was part of the, uh, in the uh, go-go package, I remember. <laughs> Brandon was Donated actually... Donated five bucks. I bought Steven Chipotle one week and... Uh, Chipotle is seven seventy-five. Seven. but... <laughs> Brandon's one of our original subscribers and my roommate, so naturally he has to be invited down once in a while. But I want to start with a bold prediction had by Andrew in past episodes. Andrew, and that prediction involves... Uh, Mr. Kaiser. It does. Uh, I predicted a while ago, I think, Deshaun Kaiser's going to win the starting job. And it seems that he's slowly inching his way there, Stephen. Well, there's a report from Mary Kay Cabot, who were, you know, just huge fans. Best friends. Close. Close friends. Um, Thanks for saying that. (laughs) (laughs) On the air. (laughs) She had a report that Kaiser's gaining ground on Kessler, but that was after just, you know, what, three days of minicamp. But I know it's a culmination from the whole offseason. It's not like when they're not practicing, they're just sitting at home. They're working there every day. Um, but do you think Kaiser, not Kaiser, do you think Kessler had a real stronghold on the starting spot? Or Hugh Jackson just named him the starter just to establish some sort of stability and not be like, all right, our you know second-round pick, he's our starting quarterback now? Well, I think Kessler earned it. it. I would say a little by default, but mostly by the fact that he, he did play decently well last year at certain times. So I think... He had a, a right to be the starter coming into camp, but my thought all along was if you've got a guy like Deshaun Kaiser that can prove that he can pick up the playbook well enough to be at the same level as Cody Kessler, then there's no point in starting Cody Kessler because Deshaun Kaiser's got so much more upside. Yeah. So I, I just think if you've got Deshaun Kaiser and, and Cody Kessler between the two and Brock Osweiler's going up there, to, he's moving up the depth chart too. You know, it's it's one of those things where you hope one separates themselves and that you're not stuck with three at the same level, but I think Kaiser's going to separate himself here once training camp starts. And it's interesting because a lot of the talk is Kaiser versus Kessler, but as I like to say, you know, Brock Osweiler's got the most experience. He did win a playoff game last year against Connor Cook and the Oakland Raiders. Got destroyed by the Patriots, but he does have that experience, and he's. I feel like he has to be emerging as kind of a clubhouse leader. At this point, because he's, you know, other players and the super young receiving core, you know, aside from Kenny Britt, may look to him for that experience or talk to him about the playoffs and just, you know, kind of start that relationship. What do you think, Brandon? I still think they maybe lean towards uh, Kessler going number one. It's really tough to say right now uh, at this point of the season until we really start training camp starts. We see them in preseason action uh, and they're all practically I'd say roughly the same talent level at this point I think certainly Kaiser is the highest upside but maybe Kessler with his experience with this team I personally think he might get the nod as of right now 
that's a very political answer, Brandon. Uh, on this show, we're only about bold predictions, so we're going to need you to, to be a little bit more bold in your answers, if that's okay. Yeah, we'll get Brandon back on the air in a few <laughs> minutes here, let him recover, think of a bold prediction. Um, but I have to agree with Brandon. You know, we talk a lot. About, we talk a lot about the Browns in our house, and it's not like we're saying, "Oh, like we drafted this stud rookie, and it's a matter of days for Kessler." It's it's pretty even. I don't agree, man. I think in camp right now, maybe not talent level or upside. Yeah, I was listening to the radio, and even Mary Kay said that Hugh Jackson's going to have to be talked off the ledge uh, to, of starting to Sean Kaiser Week One. You know, it's it, it just goes back to even the other teams that drafted those rookie quarterbacks. You know, how long until like I think I said this before previously, these coaches are going to say until they're blue in the face that they're going to wait for these guys until they're ready, or that they're they're they've got to work their way up the depth chart, but. We all know once training camp comes around and they start seeing them run with the ones and, and if their ability to develop uh, their mechanics and the playbook is there, you know, they're, they're going to start. you got to get them on the field sooner rather than later. Yeah, the, the long NFL offseason, especially with a team like the Browns where there's no definitive quarterback, always leads to this, uh, oh, who's going to win the competition, which has become an annual thing when it really should never be a thing. You should draft a quarterback, think of a – even a Derek Carr, Matt Stafford, and say, all right, this is our starter. But they've had success. And with the Browns, it's, oh, well, I think it's Kessler. I think it's Kaiser. I think it's, if you're crazy, I think it's Brock or Kevin Hogan. Well, it's probably not Kevin Hogan. No. But Hogan does know best, though. <laughs> Sorry, I derailed you a little. Oh, my God. <laughs> Total train wreck. Right here. Oh, Brandon has a thought, though. He's back. He's back. Yeah. Well, Errol, uh, one point you made before uh, that I agree with you, Andrew, is that we definitely need to see Kaiser play a lot this year. We need to know what we're going to get, because odds are we're going to be in the top five next year, and our top two prospects are likely going to be Rosen and um, Donaldson. So we Sam need- Darnold, Brandon. Darnaldson, Josh Donaldson is Josh Donaldson. for the Toronto Blue Jays. Sam Darnold. So we are going to need to see uh, rookie mistake. what we're going to have with Kessler, or not Kessler, I'm sorry, um, Kaiser, because it's very likely that we may be in position to draft another top quarterback prospect. Can't argue with that point, Andrew. No, I, I completely agree. Honda, you know, we should have you on more often. I completely agree. Nah. <laughs> um, I, I think I made that point. I wrote an article on it. It's just, if, you, if, you, if you're going to have a top pick, I mean, I, I still don't think, even if Kaiser shows, unless Kaiser is, is truly a lights-out rookie prospect, you know, like Cam Newton, where you, you're, you're going to bank on the fact that he's going to be very, very good. Are you comparing no. Kaiser to Cam Newton on the record? No. Um, what I'm saying is if he has a Cam Newton-type year, like RG3, where you're like, we're definitely moving forward with this guy, you've got to still be able to consider those top prospects at one and two or wherever you're at in the draft. Are you saying Robert Griffin III, in his current form, <laughs> is equivalent to a player like Cam Newton. No, I'm saying okay, their, their, rookie, their rookie years were very comparable in terms of electricity and, and ability to, to lead their team to, to successful seasons. And Washington kind of got the raw end of that comparison. Yes. But I know what you mean. So who do you, I mean, you think Kaiser's going to open week one? Yep. Do you think he'll beat the Steelers with me in attendance? Even if I'm not there, what uh, the no, I think. I mean, Mike Tomlin knows how to game plan against, especially a rookie quarterback. It's going to be tough. But that new line, though, I agree. I think there's going to be definitely some bright spots. I think the fact that they're going to actually run the ball this year well, is going to be a, allegedly, 
Allegedly, yeah. That was something that was really confusing to me last year is why they didn't run the ball. There were a lot of games where a lot of it was out of hand in the first quarter, but this year hopefully they can recommit to the run and give Kaiser or Kessler, whoever the number one quarterback is, a better shot to keep them in the game versus having to have them throw the ball 50 times. Think about your Baltimore game that you guys went to. Yes. Crowell had a great start, and they didn't touch the ball in the second half. 85-yard touchdown. That was Man, how many times? I cried. I, love I that openly, oh, I guess I always openly cry. It just depends yeah. if there's other people around. But yeah, that was fun. And then I cried later because well, we had the walk. If back you cry when no one's around, do you really? It's like if a tree yes, falls. And then, you do. <laughs> you do. You do cry. cry. <laughs> Those are real tears. I'm afraid. Were you crying? Yes, I was. <laughs> Thank you for noticing. <laughs> but yeah, abandoning the running game is. I mean, Q Jacks can say they're going to commit to it this year, but. It's June, so I don't really believe him. I mean, they're hyping up Crowell, man. He's only, quote, scratched the surface. And Ricardo Lewis is there was apparently... Air, there was air quotes there, just to be clear. Yeah, there was uh, another article about how Ricardo Lewis could be the breakout receiver. He's playing with a lot of confidence. And I get that, but I, I, just prove it. You know, I, I can read these stories all day long, but... I remember the, the same thing being said about guys like Evan Moore and Ooh, Evan Chance Moore, Stuckey and, I mean, God knows what other, other receivers that we've thrown What about Steve Hyden? Steve Hyden, Muhammad Massaqua, <laughs> Brian Rabisky, like that these guys are all playing with, quote, playing with, co- playing with confidence, but well, they naturally. come out and stink. So just prove it on the field. I'm, I, I don't want to hear about any more of these second-year receivers. <laughs> just, just prove it to me in training camp. Yeah, that's just the news game. cycle in the offseason. I mean, look at us. Just a couple of guys sitting here trying to think of topics to talk about. Imagine being a beat writer or a site expert for Dog Pound Daily. And you have to come up with ideas all the time. You kind of have to do the Crowell's poise for a breakout year. Ricardo Lewis, who notoriously in the scouting reports has stone hands, is poised for a breakout year. I'm a personal fan of Rashard Higgins. Hollywood. So I'm going to go on the record and say he's going to have a breakout year with no real reason behind it <laughs> other than I like him. And he's fun. There you go. I don't think Jordan Payton's going to have a big year because... Is he, he still at UCLA? Is he still he, graduating he, or whatever? He showed up to camp in, like, <laughs> July after he graduated. I don't know week three. how the school year works at UCLA. <laughs> and then he got suspended the last four games of the year when he probably would have got some playing time. On to who's your breakout player of the, the 2017 season? Any Let's position? say uh, Duke Johnson. Maybe with a better line. Um, maybe they work in a little short passing game with inexperienced quarterbacks. I think he's kind of like almost like that. Like um, uh, who, Who's the guy from the Patriots? Uh, James White. Uh, I, think, I don't think he runs the ball better than White, but can catch the ball in the backfield. Maybe 50 rushing yards, 50 receiving yards, ends up getting a touchdown. Um, a fantasy also. Yeah, fantasy. I mean, Sleeper. that's a guy, too, that even last year everyone thought that he was going to be a breakout player. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe... Well, they were so bad, though. Yeah, so. and, and maybe maybe with the, the loss of Terrell Pryor and, and the fact that the wide receiving core is a little bit lacking, maybe that's their plan, too, is to utilize both Crowell and Duke Johnson on the field at the same time. I mean, it's only an added weapon. You know, there's only so many... Line, there's not a linebacker that's going to be able to cover him other than mm-hmm. probably the guy that's... Across from him, which is Jamie Collins, you know, that's one of the most athletic linebackers in the league. So if you can utilize Duke Johnson in mismatches, I think that's a, a definitely a great way to keep it keep a defense off balance. Yeah, it's, I mean, I love the predictions. I love the hype, but I, don't know, I do think Duke Johnson is probably one of the most 
guaranteed players who will have some success. Just one of the most talented. It just depends how much he's going to get worked. Well, it's contract year, so I mean, if they want to, if if they think that he's worth you know resigning, I think they'll give him or let him prove it. You know, I think that's a a fair thing. I think Crowell too is is getting ready for a contract year as well too, right? Yeah, with that one year tender. Yeah. So, I mean, it's gonna if the, if the Browns are gonna put put money in Crowell and Duke Johnson's pockets, I think they're gonna make him prove it. So, I think that, that at least should equate to some committal to the commitment to the running game. I just want one of them to get a thousand yards, and not like based off ten long runs, like Crowell's season last year statistically is you know yards per rush and average was high, but that's because he had like. No carries and bust off like seventy yard runs, which is still strange as to why they wouldn't run the ball more. And I, I, I listen. I'm not going to sit here and say that the game flow was uh, like that was definitely a reason for it. I think there were it wasn't it, it was like a Bengals game where RG three was like zero for six or something in the first half. That first game he came back and he was hit a zero passer rating. Like they were is down. That bad? Oh, they were <laughs> they were down fourteen nothing in the first two possessions of the game, and I was like, "Well, this one's over." You know, I think that was like one of the last games that we thought we would have a chance to win because the bank like Browns were coming off a bye. It was RG three was coming back. Yeah, I know. None I, of these I sound. The roll. None of these sound <laughs> like good signs. Like no. RG three's coming back from his 2012 stint at Baylor. <laughs> I get, I'm pretty sure that I thought that Week 10 was going to be a win because... Was that the Jets? No, that was, no, that was, that was RG3. That was that Bengals game when he came after the... I think, right? After the bye? Either way, whatever that Bengals game was. Because I think I was just... I didn't expect them to come out so flat after the bye. You like didn't. RG3 was like so bad in that first game that I was like, he's had so long to prepare to come back. You know, he's, he can't be that bad. And he was that bad. Well, he's all... I mean, mostly been that bad. Since after that first year where he was destroyed by the Shanahan's. But that's neither here nor there anymore. Sounds like a Game of Thrones thing. Like. <laughs> destroyed by the Shanahan's. House Shanahan! Destroyed him. Naturally, but who knows? I mean... I think we're running out of things to talk about, Stephen. Oh, yeah. I have I have plenty. <laughs> on to plenty. What you got. That's why we bring topic. horrible right. questions for you. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, we tend to talk pessimistic about the Browns just because of the state of the franchise. What's one optimistic thing you're looking forward to or one thing um, you see this team growing or what uh, aspect of this team you see that's improving? You go first. The defense. I'm excited to watch the defense. So many young guys <clears throat> that can make an impact. You look at the draft last year, you had Corey Coleman, <clears throat> Emmanuel Ogba, and it just a lot, and Carl Nassib, but mostly a lot of guys that weren't like Demario Davis. You know, they didn't have Jamie Collins. You just had a, kind of a lot of guys that really didn't make any impact, or that didn't give you like the didn't give you a good feeling when you were walking out there on Sunday. Like you knew the Browns' defense was bad. Now they've got Miles Garrett, Jabril Peppers, Najoku's on offense, but still another great pick. Ogan Joby, Caleb Brantley. You know, they've added some pieces. Jason McCourty, who's the other? Calvin Pryor. I mean, they've added guys that. May or may not turn out, but you know at least it, they're trying to make the talent level better, and they've done that at least in the rookie class, which is something that they've lacked for so long that I, I just can't wait to watch Miles Garrett and Jabril Pe- Jabril Julius slash Jabril, Jabril Peppers play. <laughs> Stephen, what is your? Uh, I'm gonna go with the sucker answer and say I'm excited and optimistic for the quarterback play of whoever starts 
because that's the only thing I really look forward to is because, I mean, in the sense of if the quarterbacks aren't good week one or two, then we're in for a long year. Yes, very much so. So I'm looking forward to seeing Cody Kessler in his second year after an 0-8 start. Although three of those losses he left earlier was benched. So, I mean, that's not a good thing. But I One think, would say getting benched <laughs> as a quarterback is not. Well, that right. was in that Thursday night game. He was concussed, too, I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, he was concussed <laughs> twice. And that Thursday night game, Hugh Jackson brought in Josh McCown, who proceeded to throw some classic gunslinger <laughs> interceptions with no regard for the offense. Eight-step drop thrown off his back foot, just whipping it While down. getting speared. Well, yeah, to be fair. To watch him on the Jets. Oh. It's going to be just... A shock Floridian awful football. Browns Jets is going to be like the number one pick Super Bowl. To be fair, I wanted Josh McCown to. I'm like, just throw it up to Terrell Pryor. Like, what's the worst that can happen? Because at that point, I mean, they're so bad. They need to win a game. I'm like, he might be able to win a jump ball and just catch a touchdown. And he just. Are you referring to Week Two against Baltimore? No, the loss in the Thursday Night Football game. Oh, both were tough. Brandon, what is your optimistic? Uh, point for the Browns to watch this season. I'm excited for both the Lions offensive defense but uh, I'm excited for a healthy Joe Hayden he seems like he's been banged up for the past two years uh, hopefully he can get back to being one of the best cover corners back in the uh, of, in the NFL I hope he gets back to that that level I I mean he's got some help too yeah I think Greg Williams calling him out was a, a definitely a wake-up call for him because he's I wouldn't say complacent because the Browns have just been bad. I think it, you're just downtrodden by so many losing seasons that... Going through the motions. Yeah, you know, and he's hurt. It's tough to... I mean, he played through the injuries, which is a sign of, like, he's a strong player, but, I mean, it, all these losing seasons and changeover has to take a toll on you eventually, so it'll be nice to see that hopefully Greg Williams can get some, like, I don't want to say positive energy because he's a very positive guy, but, like... Rejuvenate. Yeah, yeah, that was a good word. That's a, that was a good word, Brandon. All right, I'll throw the next topic out because All right. I've had a lot of time to think <laughs> during your monologues. Lay it on me. <laughs> what is the one sign, the one thing that could happen early in the year that would signal doom for you regarding the Browns? Oh, where do like, I what's, start? Like, what's uh, one play that has to happen or scenario? It could even be in the front office. Let's just rule out, like, firing Sashi Brown because that's just not going to happen and no injuries. Like, an instance uh, on the... So it can't be, like... It has to be realistic, but like it could be like a trade or or Jimmy Haslam goes to jail. My column. <laughs> I don't think that like Jimmy Haslam go to jail is obviously a big story, but I think it's it's maybe one of those things where in the first couple weeks of the season the Browns are like in contention. Like they're one and one. No, I mean they're in, oh, in, in the games. games. Like they're they're winning the games in the third and fourth quarter. You know, even last year there were times where they had a lead at halftime, or and they just couldn't close it out. If that trend continues, I think part of that had to do with a lack of talent on the overall roster, not having the ability to close out games on defense and keep. You couldn't keep the defense off the field. Offense couldn't move the ball. Defense is winded in the fourth quarter. I think. If they can be able to just make a few plays that separate themselves from a bet, like make themselves a decent team versus a bad team, I think that's a good thing to watch out. For, good thing to watch out for. But if it turns out to be like, if they're blowing games in the fourth quarter again, or they just they're just not experienced enough to close it out, I think that's one thing that could possibly just destroy the the positivity, I guess, in that locker room. All right, I'll I'll answer mine before passing it off to. Brandon, I'm going to say my thing would be 
a 28-3 to halftime deficit against the Steelers in week one. Because that would just... It's, it's not like it's a rare sight against the Steelers, but there's been so many week one beatdowns by the Steelers to the Browns that like a, it's everyone's excited, everyone's amped about the season to come back, and then Antonio Brown has like two touchdowns, Le'Veon Bell's running all over the field, and the Browns like muster a field goal before halftime. And it's just... Oh no! Like you're, and you're at that point. It's like, can we, are we going to have enough time to come back? And how are we going to answer a 25 point deficit? It's the same questions. I don't want it to happen, but for me, that's like my doom and gloom. You know, just this season's going to be a little tough. Brandon, what do you think? For maybe too many early three and outs in offense, I felt like there's a lot of times when the game would start. Uh, either we'd get the kickoff, or after they would usually the opposing team would usually score a touchdown is when it was three and out, punt the ball, uh, and then the opposing offense would start with great field position. It seemed to happen a lot in the first quarter and the beginning of the third quarter, and we were quickly a bad team uh, starting from behind. And it always seems, ever since the Browns returned, they've always just struggled to get first drive touchdowns. And I know with this offense, that's still unreasonable to ask for them but I think just to push the ball if you could flip that flip the field uh, make them start the opposing team start their own 10 within their own 20 uh, that's just what I would look for and hope if that, if that doesn't happen then it's going to be another long season both great points that was I like Anna's point a lot because that was one thing that was just severely frustrating last year was the fact that even when there was a chance for them to come back it was just like I mean you would get like I said, they'd run the ball on first down, then like an incomplete pass, and then it's third and ten, and you're like, well, <laughs> fingers crossed. But they would they would get the ball, the, the opposing team would get the ball either at the 45 or like in Brown's territory, and that's not how you're going to win a football game. Well, it's run on first down, second and eight, incomplete pass, Pet and like a six-yard six pass. <laughs> Catch and run. To Evan Moore. Evan Moore. For a three and out. But yeah, like Brandon said, that's just the... That's a definitely a big sign of doom. It's when they come out and there's just you. That's like you watch any Patriots game. It's all right. We're gonna you know we're gonna drive down the field and the fans are like all right. We expect, it's like watching the Cavs. Like we expect, expected it. Yeah. But with the Browns, if they score an opening drive touchdown, it's a shock. It is. I did, when did it almost have, was it like the last game of the year? Like maybe it was that San Diego. There was a game. long streak. I remember where, where they didn't. Yeah. yeah. Well, they yeah. When they do, it's much more surprising than when they don't. Yeah. Just score. I mean, even a field goal. And to Steven's point about the schedule, I mean, they, the NFL did not do the Browns any favors this year with the schedule. I mean, you're, you've got three divisional games, I believe, in the first four or five weeks of the season, right? You've got Pittsburgh to start. Let's put here. They got Cincy in week four. But either way, I mean, you're, so a team, you're starting, off, uh, you're starting off against Pittsburgh, which is just not an ideal matchup for any defense. You know, it's... Uh, not the best. You're going against three of the best players at their position. It is kind of. Cr- I mean, I know the NFL tries to do those divisional matchups, but it's it's always like division week one. Or, I mean, this year Steelers and Steelers week seventeen. Yeah. The good news is that we won't have to watch them on primetime this year. We All get right. to watch them at nine thirty though when they're in London. That'll be good. Get the misery out of the way early. So we got Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Indy, Cincinnati. Oh, we did the schedule game already, but. I mean, how do you think Baltimore is going to be this year? I think the same. Just who have they added anyone on offense? Any wide uh, receivers? Jeremy Macklin. Uh, and he's down. Joseph. Flatter, he was hurt all last so. year. 
Who's there? Oh, Terrence West is their running back. Meh. Yeah, I just think, again, 9-7, and seven, defense carries them. Um, defense. They drafted a lot of good defensive pieces. I think I'm a little more interested to see with Cincinnati if they're going to bounce back after a rough year. If I gr- believe Green got hurt last year. Yeah, towards the end. Or he yeah. got hurt right before, that was He was out for the Browns game, wasn't Oh, yeah, he? I think that, yeah, that's why a lot of people thought they couldn't come close. But um, I still see Pittsburgh, then Cincinnati, Baltimore, and then Cleveland. Ah, boo! <laughs> But no, it's, yeah, it's tough to argue with Pittsburgh not being in first. Just, I mean, they were a win away from the Super Bowl. They started off poorly, too, this year, didn't they? Or last year, weren't they? They lost to the Ravens, who were, like, Bell winless to start. Games, yeah, <clears throat> but they lost to, they, remember, they, or Boswell missed all those field goals, or whoever their kicker was missed all those field goals early on. We need, like, a resident Steelers person on, so we can just talk trash, but then, like, when the Steelers beat the Browns, we just won't talk to him, but if yeah. we need like tidbits, like you're trying to remember, we could just have him on. Yeah, not everyone is. It's tough to be as committed to Steelers football when you're a super fan of the Cleveland Browns. So, ah, it's a tough life being a super fan, especially when they're so super bad. fan. I feel like you're the guy at the game who's yelling at me that he could stand in front of me because he's a. Super fan. No, it's a super fan would be the guy that turns around and tries to pump up the crowd, thinking that his w- pumping up arms motion is going to get the crowd riled up. <laughs> I always get irrationally angry. Down. I get irrationally angry when that what you just said happens at the game, and people are like, "If we don't make any noise." They're not going to get a stop. I go, we have the worst defensive front seven in the league. Le'Veon Bell is going to get the third and two. And then it's like, it'll be five third downs in the same drive. And the people sit there, and it's almost like they had amnesia. And it's like, it's third down. <laughs> like, calm down. Well, the thing is, they don't even have to, like, like if you're if you're the Steelers, like, all you have to do is run the ball twice, and or you can run it three times. Maybe on like, Bell doesn't lose yards. What are the odds that that they're not going to get a first down? You know, like they haven't. They could throw a screen pass to Antonio Brown and get eight yards. Like they're they're just yeah, going to just the ball. dive across it. And I think that's. I mean, that's. I think Brandon touched on it. Just moving the ball on offense is a huge. It's, you've got to have a quarterback that can do it, and that's why Cody Kessler got pulled in that Thursday night game. Yeah, they have to do it so the defense can't just keep blitzing. Because once you establish that you're weak on offense, the defense will just pressure your young quarterback or any quarterback who's not doing well and just keep coming at you. That's when you need to open it up, such as deep balls to former Brown Terrell Pryor, or catch them off guard with a draw or just anything and switch it up. But That's what I'm worried about, too, is obviously I picked Deshaun Kaiser to start week one, but it'll be interesting to see how he faces a live pass rush. Because it's one thing to sit around in your shorts and t-shirt and throw a football around, but when there's a 300-pound Miles Garrett coming off the edge towards you, it's a little bit uh, more scary than uh, doing it. But even then in practice, you don't get hit if you're a quarterback. So Miles Garrett's going to be coming off the edge at him, but even he's not going to be going 100%. He's going to be letting up. You've got to get him in there against the Steelers and see how he reacts. And that's, well, I guess preseason... But he'll be going up against like second team or third teamers in preseason. So thank God they took Miles Garrett. Like, like what if they did? What if they <laughs> traded <laughs> down and took Mitch Trubisky? No, I mean like I, just thinking about like how the roster. Like after the draft, it's easy to be like God. Just 
they took Deshaun Kaiser in the second round, so at least that position was addressed. But like, mm-hmm. thank God they say like if Miles Garrett doesn't turn out, you know, everyone it's, would it's have okay. taken. Yeah, we're take Watson and Trubisky and make them battle it out. Oh my God! I uh, saw some on a hot take on the Facebook page was that the Dog Pound Daily Facebook page was that they should take Watson and then cut him. <laughs> To teach him a lesson. And it had to do with him saying something like baited in a question. And it was like, I know what we should do with our number one pick. We should take him and cut him. I was like, yeah, that'll show the rest of the league that we mean business here. Like what an, like I'm fine with hot takes. I'm not really fine, but like I know they exist. So I live with them. But when they're just, I don't know, I don't even know the word. Just dumbfounded. (laughs) I'm just in pain. Like I keel over. And just start coughing. And you know that guy thinks if he was GM of the Browns, oh, Super Bowl just, team, oh, playoff team, first yeah. year, right? We're all armchair GMs at yeah. heart. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, but we know that we're fallible. But we, don't, yeah, I was gonna say we don't. We know we're not down. gods. We'll, we'll finish at five hundred. We're not. Yeah. We're not calling. I'm not calling my Super Bowl shot here. All I'm saying is that I think I could at least could do better than one in fifteen. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you know contracts like Sashi Brown does. Go play. You just don't lose. All right. Man. What guaranteed money do you want? Uh, sure. I'm not sure how All that works. It. Yeah, that's how it works, right? I'm kind of a big idea guy, which is how Andrew <laughs> describes himself on business cards. Steven, Steven takes care of the day-to-day. I'm more of the big picture guy. <laughs> I'm more of the, here's a philosophical thing I wrote. All right. But we have to wrap it up here with some closing thoughts because... I'm hungry. We're all hungry. We got to get some food. Do you want to plug where we're going to eat? Uh, we're going to go to the Willoughby Brewing Company in uh, Willoughby, Home Ohio. of friends and good food. Great Willoughby beer. Brewing Company. Yes, great beer. And I'm going Brewed to Brewed by your father, correct? Yes. yes, very much so. That's why we're plugging this. Shameless plug. Big fan. Would so. you say your dad's beer is better than Coors Light? Very much so. <laughs> it's actually weird. Like, I don't like craft beer outside of, like, and it, I, I'm, it definitely sounds like a homer here, but I like don't like craft beer outside of my dad's beer. Like I'll drink my dad's beer all day long, but when it comes to like other, like he wants me to try all this stuff, and I'm like, I just want to drink yours. I don't. Wow. Sweet. Not only was that a nice plug for Willoughby Brewing Company's beer, nice but that was just a night. I, like I said, good, <laughs> good Happy family. Father's <laughs> Happy belated Father's Day, <laughs> Andrew's father. <laughs> It's a nice environment. It's a family environment from like Mondays through Wednesdays, and then it's a hellhole. Like every day <laughs> between noon and six, and then every time after six p.m., it's like Menor High School 2012 reunion. Yeah, it is my favorite thing about the place, which is not a bad thing. It's half of it is people in the um, 1986 AFC Championship generation, then the other half. Is in the, do you remember that Browns-Jets game generation? Yeah. And it just doesn't gel. It's a nice mix. It's a nice mix. A lot of leather coats on one side, a lot of hair gel on the other side, but I guess it'd be on both sides. Older people gel their hair. We'll I'll get ask. into that. I'll ask. We'll, we'll do there. a study and get back to you guys next week. I don't uh, know man, that. now I'm all stressed. I'm going to have to go ask all these older men about their hair. <laughs> all right. I want to ask you a question that I'm going to think of right now. All right, I got one. Anda's got one. Yeah. He's, the, uh, he's the favorite uh, Cleveland Brown memory uh, since they came back. Oh, boy. I got one. I can start Anna, with. Go ahead. Um, I was actually at the be- the greatest game since they returned the uh, Week 17 win against the Atlanta Falcons that pushed us to the playoffs. It was my first Browns game ever. Somehow my dad got great seats for like free, like ten rows back near the 50 yard line, 
And I uh, remember watching William run, one run, William William run. run. Uh, just all the way to the, the playoffs. Steven? That's not the greatest moment since they've been back, but... Yes. <laughs> Objectively, it's not, but we'll go with it. I mean, that's fine to say that is your opinion, <laughs> but my favorite Browns memory... Man, I don't, I don't know. I'm trying to think. When Derek Anderson threw two pick sixes I before was, halftime I was in 2007. I was literally going to say that, and I swear I was going to say, what are you going to say when they went How about the moment sixes? right before he threw those two pick sixes? No, I'm probably going to have to say just, I'd say that win over the Patriots in 2011. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Peyton when Hillis. Peyton right? Hillis yeah. was going off. Colt McCoy was playing out of his mind. And Josh Cribbs was laying crackback blocks on yeah. Brandon Merriweather. Oh. Gronkowski called for a fair catch and didn't catch the football on that kickoff, and the Browns got it. And It was just, it was a... It was something that you did don't often Gronk see. Then? They did. I watched the highlight clip actually a few days ago. Was he like Gronk Gronk then? Well, like, his name was Gronk. Well, I know. He yeah. was young. Oh, okay. Because Aaron Hernandez actually played in that game that's too. Right. So it was back during that. Ah, that's got to be. It's so hard because it's not like it's always like I was excited when Johnny Manziel was drafted, but obviously now that doesn't look good. But like everyone was excited and saying you were is like looked down upon. But I'll go with that Patriots game. Andrew, close us out. Uh, I was a huge fan of that game against Cincinnati in Week Two in, in that twenty se- or two thousand seven season. Ooh, that big high school game! Game. Like they, game. Yeah, you mean after they traded Charlie Fry, they lost. I was like forty one nothing to Pittsburgh <laughs> opening day or something, and then they traded Charlie Fry to the Seahawks for a six round pick. And I I remember we had um, friends on the other side of the stadium that brought us save us Brady, uh, like a banner. Yeah, and they were gonna. Throw it down there because I mean we're like Anderson's the starter, but it's only Wait, so let me get this time. straight. He was they were already wanted the third string quarterback in yeah. week two. Yes, I mean we drafted. I mean it's like typical like first round fans. pick that we wanted. I mean we want to see him, you know. And then Anderson goes out, and they it was like fifty one forty seven. You know, it was just an absolute shootout. Braylon Edwards is catching touchdowns down the field. You know, it was just completely unexpected, and it turned out to be one of the best seasons that I've been able to witness as a. As a Browns fan, so... I'll that was the same year that. where Anderson threw those two pick sixes against it was. the Bengals. It was. Devastatingly <laughs> enough. <laughs> Thank you for bringing it up in the positive portion. But that's all for us. We have to go eat. I'm withering away to nothing. <laughs> I am so hungry and sweaty, which is completely unrelated. But that was our 12th episode, and we should be back next week. Do you have any plans that would disrupt you from that? I never have any plans. No, uh, I should be available. I don't do too much. So, all right, we will have another episode. We want to thank Brandon Onda, who will now have to listen to his own voice as he is a <laughs> subscriber. And thank you for listening. <laughs>